The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebold, the president and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, uniting the wellness community and Gilda's Club worldwide. Uh, the wellness community recently joined forces with Gilda's Club to become the cancer support community. We are likely the largest provider of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupport.com cancersupportcommunity.org. On today's show, which is being brought to us by Millennium Morphotech and Novartis Oncology, we are joined by two very special guests to discuss how we can talk to kids about cancer and help them better understand the disease. But before we jump into today's topic, let's move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. For young women who have a high risk of breast cancer because of genetic mutations or family history, the radiation from yearly mammograms may make the risk even higher, researchers reported at a radiology conference on Monday. This report is particularly troubling because it suggests that the very women who are told they need mammograms most may also be the most vulnerable to harm from them. Doctors routinely urge high-risk women to have mammograms earlier in life and more often than women judged to be of average risk. Researchers caution that the new report, however, is not conclusive and that the issue needs more study. High doses of radiation can increase the risk of breast cancer, especially in young women, but mammography uses a low dose. The American Cancer Society and many breast cancer experts say the benefits of screening far outweigh any theoretical risk from the radiation. But the findings will probably fuel the debate that was ignited by a recent article in the Journal of the American Medical Association questioning the value of breast cancer screening and a report by a government task force suggesting that most women could start having mammograms later in life and repeat them less often than had generally been recommended. The latest findings come not from new research, but from an analysis that pulled the data from six earlier studies involving about 5,000 high-risk women in the United States and Europe, some who had breast cancer and some who did not. Their median age was 45. Looking back at their medical histories, researchers found that those women who had mammograms or chest x-rays, which use a lower radiation dose than mammography, were more likely to have breast cancer. Specifically, women exposed to radiation before the age of 20 or women with five or more exposures were two and a half times more likely to develop breast cancer than were women who had not been exposed. The analysis applies only to women who have a high risk of breast cancer, about one-half to one percent of the population. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this was today's Cancer in the News. 
As I mentioned at the top of the show, we are joined by two guests today who are here to talk about a very important issue, how to help children understand cancer when a family member or friend has been diagnosed with the disease. As we all know, cancer is a scary illness, and not just to kids, but to everyone. So how do you help kids understand this complex disease in a safe and meaningful way? Let's find out. First, we're joined by Beverly Hyman-Feed, co-author of the children's book, Nano, What's Cancer? Beverly wrote the book with her 11-year-old granddaughter, Tessa, after Beverly was diagnosed with cancer back in 2002. The book, uh, published by the American Cancer Society, provides an overview of not only the who, what, when, where, and why of cancer, but it also demonstrates the strengthening of emotional bonds between family members during a very difficult time. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you for having me, Kim. And we're also joined by Anita Shaft, a licensed social worker and program manager at Gilda's Club Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa. Anita also oversees the Noogie Land program at her clubhouse, and I know we're going to talk about that today. And I appreciate you being here, Anita. Thank you for having me today. So we've got a lot to cover on the show. I'm going to jump right in. Beverly, uh, I'm going to start with you. You are living with... uh, Stage 4 cancer. Take, take us back uh, to 2002 when you were diagnosed with cancer. Tell us your story. I was diagnosed 2002 with fourth-stage metastasized inoperable uteral stromal sarcoma. I had had a previous cancer um, 12 years before that uh, that was uterine lining, and uh, I had a total hysterectomy. And I had lost my grandmother, mother, and two sisters to cancer. So when I had that that uterine lining cancer, I thought, phew, that was my cancer, and that was the end of that. But it was not to be. Twelve mm. years later, um, the cells had drifted into my abdomen, forming eight large tumors and creating the cancer that they then diagnosed me with and gave me two months to live. In 2002? Yes. Well, here we are in 2009. <laughs> yes. <laughs> here I am. I'm not going anywhere. I guess you told them, huh? <laughs> I told them. So what has, the, what has the journey been since that time? Have you been in, in and out It's been remarkable. It's really been a, a gift. I know, I know it sounds corny, and I know we hear it all the time, but it's because it's true. Mm. Uh, you look at life through different eyes. Um, I've been able to pay back in, in a way that's really made me so fulfilled. I've written two books. The first one was I Can Do This. Uh, living with cancer, tracing a year of hope, and the second one was with my granddaughter, uh, Nana. What's cancer? I, I speak all over to give hope to cancer patients to tell them not to lie down. That's when you get up and fight when you get that diagnosis and get other opinions. And in my case, uh, instead of doing the traditional treatment, I found two doctors that uh, came up with an experimental treatment, which made sense to me. I grabbed it and have never looked back. Mm. Good for you, Beverly. Now, tell us, uh, how old is Tessa, your granddaughter? Tessa is 11 now, but she came to me with this idea. This was actually her idea when she was 8. The book was her idea? Yes. So tell, tell us about that process. She came to you when she was 8 with the idea for this book. Because she had wanted to do a book report in her second grade class of my first book, I Can Do This Living With Cancer. And her mother said, that's really not appropriate, Tess. Kids don't know about cancer like you do. And she said, well, then why don't Nana and I write a book explaining cancer to children? Mm. So her mother said, that's a great idea, call Nana. She did, and I just loved the idea. And I said, why don't you write down a bunch of questions, Tess, that are bothering you? 
and she did, and the questions in the book are all her questions. Mm-hmm. And then you formulated the answers together. <clears throat> and then I formulated the answers, and, and that's how that book was born. And I know Tess is not with us today because she's in school. Yes. Which is good. She should she's be. A big sixth grader. <laughs> but right. I do hope she'll come on to the show at some point and tell she us a little bit to. about she would love to. her thoughts about coming up with this, uh, with this idea. Just tell us a little bit about Tessa Beverly. What kind of a kid is she? What does she like to do? Tell well, us about she's her. the kind of kid that comes up with a million great ideas a day, and yeah. she loves to do everything, and she's very, um, very good about wanting to give back. She's always had cookie sales and given the money to cancer. Uh, that was her idea by herself. Um, she's come with me to Washington when I, I'm a legislative ambassador for the American Cancer Society, mm-hmm. and she came with me and, and went to different um, uh, representatives' offices. Uh, she's always been interested in everything. She's interested in volleyball and singing and everything a kid is interested in, too. She's just an all-around great kid. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a gift. Um, Anita, you're a licensed social worker. You're the program manager at our Gildas Club in Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa. Um, tell us about, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Wellness Community and Gildas Club have <laughs> come together to form the Cancer Support Community. Um, tell us about some of the programs provided there at your Gildas Club for children, teens, families who are impacted by cancer. Sure, I'd love to take this opportunity to do that. Um, the Cancer Support Community does offer a lot of those resources to children, teens, and families, and basically it's to help them connect um, with each other and, and facing similar situations. And one of the things that we have to offer, as you mentioned, is called Noogie Land. And I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about Noogie Land because it is a, a big premise of why I think we're here today. Um, we like to think of it not only as a physical space but also as a concept, and I'd like to take the opportunity to discuss what does that really mean. Um, so as a physical space, our clubhouses have this wonderful supervised play area that we call Noogie Land, and it has lots of games, activities, crafts, just a lot of fun, but it's also cancer education. And Noogie Land does provide those links together for children so that they can understand that they really aren't the only ones living with this disease and connecting them together to start have conversations about cancer, how it's impacting them, and to get support that they are looking for. Mm-hmm. But more as a concept, too, Noogie Land offers resources in other capacities. So think outside the box, not just a physical place, but cancer in the classrooms, for example. I know that Beverly had just talked about that. You know, children may not know what that is. Well, we can go into the classrooms and really speak about educating them on cancer. Sometimes we get those phone calls from those teachers saying, you know, this is the situation. This is what we're looking at. Can you help us? And we can say, yes, yes, we can. We can come in. We can help with the classroom, and it serves not only as an opportunity for education, but also as a resource for outreach. Um, Many people may not realize that there's a cancer support community available to them. So if we can get into the classrooms and start having conversations, then they're aware that there's a cancer support community available to them. Now, do you know how how they came up with that name, Noogie Land? What does that mean? I do. Um, You know, think about Gilda Radner back on Saturday Night Live, and she always uh, used to get noogies. And so we wanted to be fun and whimsical with that term and bring Gilda into the picture. And so Noogie Land was born, so that's the actual concept of the place is Noogie Land. Excellent. That's really fun. Fantastic. Now, we've just got a a minute or two until we go to the break, uh, Anita, but... Um, I understand that uh, at the Cancer Support Community at Gilda's Club, we've seen a 35% increase over the past couple of years in the number of Noogie Land members. 
we have why why do you think we're seeing such a dramatic um, increase in the number of kids and families who are participating in these programs? I think that's an excellent question, and recent statistics really are indicating that almost a quarter of all families um, living with cancer in the U.S. do have children under the 18 living with them. And so with that statistic in mind, it's helpful for parents, and I think they realize that it's important to include their children in the communication process. You know, on a daily basis, we receive those phone calls from a concerned parent or grandparent inquiring about you know, maybe a change that they're noticing in their child. Maybe their grades are slipping or they're worrying a little bit more. Maybe they're not sleeping. So they're, they prompt that call with, what can you do to help us? And so they can learn more um, about the cancer support community and realizing that their needs can be met and that we can really help them during a challenging time to work through this disease process and what it means for each individual. Now, before we go to break, Anita, you've got, you've got a place for the kids to come, but you, do you also teach the parents how to talk to their kids about cancer? Sure, that is something that we can do as well. We have some um, networking opportunities and also some workshop opportunities or talking individually with the family. So there's a lot of variety in how we can reach out to the families to help them understand the best way maybe for their child to learn about cancer and the terminology. So we really try and be creative and flexible and work with each um, individual in the collective community. And I imagine that's a common question for parents who have young children. How do I talk to my kids? What's the, what's the, you know, the kind of age-appropriate discussion? What do I tell them? What don't I tell them? Absolutely, and I think you hit it on the head when you said age-appropriate. I think if you look at the considerations of each age bracket, what you say to a 5-year-old is probably going to be much different than what you share with a teenager. Yeah. And so I think that's an important component to keep in mind is, how do you talk to your child um, given your situation? Yeah. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Uh, today we're talking about helping kids understand cancer. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join G. Cobb in the house every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
This show takes you inside the world of sports from one who knows. Gary Cobb is an 11-year NFL veteran who has almost 20 years in sports radio and television. From the locker room to the clubhouse, we'll talk on the inside with the newsmakers on the sports scene. It's always exciting and full of energy. G. Cobb in the house with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren is broadcast live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about helping kids understand cancer, especially when a close friend or family member has been diagnosed with the disease. I'm here with Beverly Hyman-Fee, the cancer patient and co-author of the children's book, Nana, What's Cancer?, uh, a book that she co-wrote with her granddaughter, who is 11. And I have Anita Schaaf, Noogie Lamb Program Manager at Gilda's Club of Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, Beverly, what is the best way to define cancer so that kids can understand it? And how much should you tell a child about the disease? I mean, you've been dealing with cancer since... 2002. Your granddaughter was, I guess, around four when you were diagnosed. Now yes. she's 11 at a whole, whole different stage. So, yes. um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that. Well, just like Anita said, you, you tell them in two different ways when they're four and when they're 11. Uh, at four, Tess was actually staying with me when I went to the doctor and found out that I had cancer. Her parents were on their first vacation. And, um, I just told her at that point that I had a boo-boo in my tummy, and Mm -hmm. she was my nurse and uh, uh, administering to me and enjoying bringing me a glass of water and snuggling up in bed with me. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when they're 8 or 9 or 10, you can go into a more adult conversation, uh, but my belief is tell them just as much as they ask. You don't need to go further. They will let you know how much they want to know. And, of course, be 100% honest with them. And I tell them that there are healthy cells in our body and unhealthy cells. And the unhealthy cells divide and go into your bloodstream, and and that's cancer. And the healthy cells stay whole. And I give them that example by, uh, in the book, we had an illustration of tennis balls and showing the tennis ball staying whole and then dividing and, and slipping all around your body. What what do you think, or and have you noticed, Beverly? What are some of the things about cancer that scare kids the most? What what are the well, kind of myths that they hold, or what what do you think they don't understand? One of the biggest myths and one of the biggest questions are: Is it contagious? Can mm-hmm. I catch it? Yeah. Uh, and of course you can't. And that's when your nana or your papa or your mother or your aunt or your friend. That's when they need the most hugs and the most yeah. closeness. So come over with a movie and sit next to them and hug them and give them a big kiss and no, it's not contagious. And that's definitely a myth we want to get rid of. I guess that's probably a, probably a particularly a big deal right now, too, because I'm sure there's a lot of education going on in schools today about swine flu, about H1N1, yes. and that being contagious. Right. And kids are, you know, so there are probably a lot of focus right now on, on illnesses being contagious and how do you, you know, prevent illnesses from being spread. And I'm sure, like you said, in kids' minds, they automatically go to, well, this is an illness. I wonder if, if I can catch it or if other people around right. me can catch it. Right. 
And I guess uh, but they... fortunately, they can't, and they can not be afraid of drinking from their their grandmother's teacup or whatever. Um, just snuggle up as close as you want to. Yeah, yeah. And so the book, your, the book that you wrote with your granddaughter, Nana, What's Cancer, yes. really grew out of a lot of the questions that she did have about your illness. Right. Tell us what some of those questions are, Beverly. Well, one of the questions is, <clears throat> when you have cancer, do you have to stay in bed like when you have the flu? Mm. Well, no, you don't. In my case, I'm very active. I play tennis. I play golf. I speak all over the country. Um, I definitely don't stay in bed. Uh, there are times I get tired, and that's when I go to bed like everybody else. But, um, no, it's not like getting the flu. You, The flu is something you get and you recover and you're through with it forever. This is not. This, this is something you live with if you, if you do have the kind of cancer I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, some people will have to go to bed for treatments, um, and you... As I say, you explain to them as much as they want to know. It all depends what kind of cancer you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, because some, some people have treatments that are debilitating and you do have to go to bed, and others go about their lives. Right, right. Um, Anita Schaaf, you are our Noogie Land Program Manager at Gilda's Club in Davenport, Iowa. Um, tell us, Anita, how does Noogie Land help to ease children's fears uh, about cancer? What kind of things happen there? Sure, I'd like to talk about a little bit about maybe why we receive those phone calls. Um, you know, it's natural for parents to want to protect their child from these difficult situations, which may include not really knowing how to talk to their child yeah. or even just wanting to protect them by not sharing information. Yeah. Um, but children are a lot more astute um, than we give them credit for a lot of times, and they may peer, hear conversation pieces or they may see things that look different, more appointments. And so that can be a trying time where they're trying to piece things together without maybe some communication. But the good news is that Gilda's Club, or, you know, Cancer Support Committee, excuse me, can help with that transition yeah. um, to, help, <laughs> to help ease those fears, um, to help them understand what cancer is. Um, and that's why a lot of times parents are seeking guidance and information from the Cancer Support Committee to seek out what strategies there are for talking with their child. And additionally, the children and teens really do look forward to coming and meeting with others who are going through what they're facing. Um, they can connect with others by playing games, building friendships, joining educational groups, really to help them learn more about cancer. And then it's okay to have those conversations. Um, topics can include, you know, what terms might they be hearing at home? Yeah. Um, what can we do to help build their self-confidence? Because sometimes that self-esteem takes a little bit of a hit, and so you might see some more vulnerability. So we want to help build that self-confidence and give them some control over some planning decisions. Maybe they're going to plan an activity, or maybe they can help out uh, volunteering within the Noogie Land to help with snack. Um, introducing them to different stress buster techniques. Maybe they've never tried yoga or guided meditation. So really opening up their um, creative minds and tapping into some interests that maybe they have to help them through this uh, tough time. You know, at the end of the night, the kids are having such a great time that it's always like, I don't want to go home. It's not time yet. So that's always a, a bonus to hear that they really are benefiting by being a part of a greater community. What does the space look like, Anita, if we were walking through the door of it? Describe it to us. 
for us in the Quad City area, I mean, every clubhouse is different, and so, you know, it, that's kind of the neat thing, too. What you see in one clubhouse won't be the same as the other. But um, for us in our area, we have a rock climbing wall and a big, huge fire truck with lights that work and a big, huge dollhouse that the kids can play interactively. Lots of games and enthusiasm, wonderful volunteers who just uh, take kids and interact with them and play those games and activities and really get to know them. So it's just this wonderful, supportive caring environment where then the kids know that they can have those tough conversations if they need to. Yeah, yeah, very welcoming it sounds like, yeah. Um, Beverly, we talked about some of the questions that, that, that arose. Let's talk about some of the tougher questions that folks might uh, might, might hear from children. Um, will you get better? Um, the, the toughest might... question I found, Kim, from Tess was, why do some people get the good kind of cancer and other people get the bad kind? Mm-hmm meaning why do some make it and why don't some make it. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to be honest and say that there are doctors that are specialists in this, and between the doctors and yourselves, you're both doing the best you can. And if you're detected early and if you get the right medicine and if you're lucky, you are going to be just fine. And there are those that aren't so lucky, and even with the best doctors and doing the best job they know how, they just can't make it, and and that person will live on in your heart forever. You'll always have your memories. They'll they'll never be far from you, but they're just physically are not going to be able to make it. Do do you think, Beverly? Sometimes kids wonder in their minds, did they do something to cause the cancer, or did absolutely it, they did my bad that. behavior? It was because I was misbehaved that maybe that's my... a very good question. I, I think every kid thinks that somehow, and of course that's another myth that we have to get rid of. There is nothing that can happen outside of the body that can make cancer. It all happens within the body. There's nothing that a child can do or any argument would do or anything you might drop and break or anything that you might feel might have hurt your loved one and caused the cancer. No, that that can't happen, and we definitely have to dispel that myth right away. Anita, how, how, about, how about maybe the toughest of questions when a child asks, are you going to die from cancer? Yes, that one is another one that comes up quite frequently. And and a lot of times the kids may not even know how to ask that question, but they're thinking it. And so one of the things that we really want to do is have that conversation because if they're thinking it, they're worried. And if we can help allay some of those fears, then I think that we've, we've done a successful job. And sometimes the best strategy is to talk to them about, um, you know, right now that's why your loved one is going through the treatments they're going through in hopes that these treatments are going to do their job. Because if, as long as there's some hope and they're, and they're working towards that, mm-hmm. um, we don't need to be premature um, unless we know for certain that it's that time. Right. If it's the time, then we need to have those conversations and help prepare them. I think there's a fine line between when that is for some families. And, and the nice thing is the families get to be in charge of that. Yeah. Um, and they get to decide, is this the time? And we help support and facilitate that for each family and individual situation. And so that is a question that comes up as part of our groups, too. Um, we have a, a specific topic on that that we'll talk about later with kids' support that you'll hear yeah. me talk about. So it's important that we do have that conversation because even if kids aren't able to say it, they're thinking it. Mm-hmm. And how about, Anita, when you're dealing with um, a child who has cancer, and dealing with some of the issues that the siblings are facing, what are what are some of the key issues that the siblings confront when a child has cancer in the family? You know, I think the hard part for the siblings um, is sometimes that feeling left out and then feeling guilty about that. 
Um, you know, children need that love and affection, and parents are trying to balance um, a difficult time and trying to provide support to each of their children. And sometimes the siblings just feel like maybe there's just that time when they're used to having that it's a little bit different. And so talking with them and helping them realize that they are loved and cared for and that their family supports them and just um, reassuring them that there's avenues for support for them specifically, I think is really helpful to them and making them feel special too, um, you know, because a lot of attention does get sometimes focused on the person that's ill um, and just trying to help them understand that there's ways that they can get involved. And I think we're going to be discussing that later as well. And is there um, sometimes uh, to, uh, with, the, with the older siblings, are they sometimes kind of uh, forced into a, a caregiver role that maybe they weren't expecting or weren't prepared for? I think that's a great point. Um, a lot of teens that we work with are put into that role of added responsibilities. You know, perhaps if they're driving, you know, they are taking care of the little ones to and from uh, school or helping with cooking or cleaning a lot more than maybe they would hope. And so trying to balance still being a teenager um, which all families still want them to be and balancing the responsibilities at home are discussions that we can have here and just trying to help them navigate what it means for them. Um, Beverly, we're just about to go to break in a, in a, a minute, but were there other other key questions that came up in, when, you, in, when you were writing the book, other uh, interesting things that mm-hmm. folks? Well, one of the things that I think bother all children, um, can pets get cancer? And oh, if they interesting. Do, uh, and if they do, are there doctors to take care of them and medicine to take care of them? Oh, isn't that, that is really interesting. I've never heard that before. That's because a, that's... they all have their beloved pets. And yeah. Um, yeah. so we can talk about that when you come back from the break if you yeah. want. Fantastic. That's a, that's, a, that's a great point. Really interesting question. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, I'm Kim Tebaldo from the Cancer Support Community. Today, today we're talking about helping kids uh, understand cancer. We have two uh, wonderful guests with us who are helping us uh, understand that conversation, understanding really how you talk with kids, how you talk as a family um, about cancer. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back after the break. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. 
Every company will rise or fall based on marketing strategy. In today's business world, companies are realizing a significantly reduced marketing budget. Some may find themselves starving for new business. With the Internet continuing to grow by leaps and bounds, companies may find that the opportunity proves to be overwhelming. Tune into the Business Net Marketing Hour with Greg Gaskell and Jason Kepi for a straight-up guide to navigating the world of online marketing. Tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm here with Beverly Hyman-Feed, a cancer patient and co-author of the children's book, Nana, What's Cancer? And Anita Schaaf, Nogi Lamb Program Manager at Gilda's Club Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa. We've been talking about ways in which parents and, and grandparents and others can communicate with children about cancer in an honest but kid-friendly way. Uh, you know, in addition to good communication, uh, kids also need a good support system. Um, Beverly, tell us, what are some of the ways in which you've supported Tessa during uh, your illness? It sounds like you have a very close relationship. We do. a lot of time um, together. What are the little, little hints and signals that you've seen from her, things that she's needed, and how have you addressed that? Well, the, I think the most important thing you can tell a child is to not be afraid to speak their feelings. Um, one of the questions we ask in the book, or Tessa asks in the book, is it okay to feel sad when someone you love has cancer? And yes, it is okay to feel sad, and it's okay to speak about it. Mm-hmm. And I try and talk about this with Tess. As, as we were writing the book, uh, one of her grandfathers died of lung cancer, and it was very hard for Tess. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it, and we talked about it at length. We still talk about it. And another thing I totally suggests to parents and to families is if the child is very upset, let them get some help. Let them talk to counselors at school, counselors outside of school, tell their teachers, and even tell their friends. Their, their friends can say comforting things to them. And uh, so I tried to be there for Tess to talk about, let her ask questions whenever she wanted and to answer them very truthfully. Did the conversations about uh, your cancer or her grandfather's cancer, did those conversations come up in school? And and, and how do you think the school uh, dealt with that, Beverly? I think the school dealt with it beautifully. I was Mm. very impressed with how they dealt with it. Um, My daughter told the uh, teachers at school that Tess was going through a death when her grandfather was dying, and they were very, um, very aware of what was going on and talked to her and there were times when she would be crying and she would come in and talk to the teachers and they, they were very kind about it. And have they, um, have they used, uh, used your book in, in, in her school? Yes. Tess has had, um, she has spoken to 
both of her sixth grade classes about the book and about what she's doing with me with the book. And Tess and I have spoken to cancer organizations together, and um, we talk about what you can do to be healthy and how you can um, help help stop cancer before it even starts and, and how you can have good um, health regimes and eat healthy foods and never smoke and drink in moderation and how you can keep your health up and always be diligent about it, and that helps a great deal. Yeah, yeah. So, Anita, we're talking, you know, we're talking about ways that, that you can support a child when a parent or grandparent has an illness. So what, what about the reverse? Is it important that, that kids feel like they have a role in helping their loved one? And if so, kind of, you know, how, do you, how do you facilitate that? How do you make that happen? Absolutely, and I think that's a great point to bring up that, you know, kids are a wonderful source of comfort for their loved ones and that they do want to be helpful and they do want to feel needed. And ways that we can incorporate that um, might be some simple tasks that we might take for granted. You know, maybe they can get that glass of water or that snack for their loved one or bring those tissues over. Uh, Maybe reading those stories or drawing pictures, making cards, watching TV shows together, playing games, or just, you know, like you say, cuddling. Um, all of those are important avenues, and I'd like to share an example, too, of yeah. a little five-year-old who calls his grandmother every morning to be her alarm clock um, because her husband used to fill that role, and currently he really can't do that because he's undergoing his treatments and may not always be as reliable. So Grandma gets to look forward to chatting with her grandson to brighten her day during that otherwise stressful time. Mm. Um, but there's additional ways, too, that kids and teens can really give back. Yeah. Um, a lot of children and teens are looking for what can I do to give back to, not only to my family, but maybe in other capacities. And so at the cancer support communities, we've seen teen volunteers who step up to help out with activities, maybe within the clubhouse. Maybe they're going to volunteer um, to plan a holiday party, or perhaps they're going to call the bingo for people that night. Um, other clubhouses have an ambassador program where teens really become the experts and they reach out to other teens in their community who may be impacted by cancer. They help spread the word about their cancer support community, the benefits that they've received, and just knowing that there's a place for them that they can go. Um, And additionally, there's um, some clubhouses that have a youth committee that actually do a fundraiser every year. So there's lots of ways that children and teens, even young ones, can really get involved to help support their loved one and to know that they are a part of what's going on. So they're they're a part of the family, a part of the conversation, but also um, through through our gildas clubs, through our wellness communities, they've also become part of a larger community where they live. Absolutely, and I think that's key for so many because you know it's it's a stressful time when a lot of things seem so out of control. Yeah. But perhaps if they can get involved with something that really shows that they are making a difference and it gives them something to focus some energy on in a positive way that can really help benefit, again, that self-confidence, that self-esteem during a stressful time. And, uh, you know, it can obviously be such a serious and devastating illness, Anita, but it sounds like you guys have some real laughs there at Noogie Land. I'm sorry, that we have some what? Some real laughs and some good times. Absolutely. Um, We have, I'd say, our fair share of tears, but there is certainly a whole lot of laughter going on, a lot of energy, a lot of fun. And like I said, the kids, despite the circumstances, even a difficult situation, really love coming, and they don't want to miss a single week of coming. Um, For example, we just had a, a clubhouse situation where a child had to decide on going to, like, Disney on ice or coming to their night of support, and uh, it was a really difficult situation for that child to make. 
Yeah. Um, and so that shows how important becoming invested in the community can really be as far as cancer support communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beverly, have you and Tessa had some tears through this process? Oh, yes. We, we've had plenty of tears. But one of the things I want to add to what, what Anita was saying um, is that what Tess and I suggest uh, so that the child can feel involved is to have weekly meetings and have the child be involved and so that everybody is on the same page as far as uh, where their loved one that is having this illness, where they are in their disease, and um, giving each other chores that they can do. And the children's chores are always very important because we all know there's no medicine in the world like a child's smile. <laughs> so just to see the uh, grandchild or the child come into the room is always helpful and to bring a movie and to bring popcorn or to bake cookies and bring them over. And, and it's always good. Uh, our, our main focus in our book is to get cancer out in the open and have, have it not be a secret word but to let everybody be involved. And if everybody knows what's going on, it's a big help for the child. And, uh, yes, there are tears, but there are always laughs, too. And Tess and I always say, um, always remember to love and to laugh, and you can get through anything. That's wonderful. That's wonderful, Beverly. Um, Anita, for those who are just joining us, I'd like for you to just tell folks about um, about uh, Noogie Land. What is Noogie Land? What kinds of programs um, do you offer there? Who runs these programs? Um, just tell folks a little bit more about what's offered uh, at Noogie Land at your Gilda's Club there um, in Quad Cities and then also certainly at our Noogie Lands across the country. Sure. I think it's going to be a similar makeup throughout um, yeah. Noogie Lands. We have licensed individuals. For example, you had mentioned I have a licensed master social work, and so we really strive to have that excellence quality about us, and I think that's helpful to families to know that their, their children are going to be taken care of. In addition, we have that supplementary of wonderful volunteers who maybe they've been impacted by cancer themselves, and now it's their turn to give back. Or maybe they're just wonderful people in the community who just really believe in what we do and really want to come and help support the kids who are going through a difficult time. Noogie Land really is an incredible place to be for children. It helps them explore um, what cancer is and what it means to them. Um, The list can be endless because we really strive, I think, to to listen to the families and what their needs are. And so through those different avenues, we have um, some constants, too, um, for example, we have what we call kids support in a lot of our clubhouses, and that's really a 10-week peer support group for children who are impacted by cancer. And the goal of that group is de- designed to bring those kids together to share and talk about how cancer is impacting their life and to show that they really aren't the only ones going through it. Um, and it really becomes an avenue where the children become the experts in their cancer journey, and it helps them teach each other um, lessons about what they're each facing. Um, and each week is a different topic, um, facing, uh, you know, cancer terminology to feelings, to those difficult, let's talk about death and dying or fostering self-esteem or, you know, relaxation techniques. So it's a pretty comprehensive approach, and that's just one example of things that, that is offered in addition to a million other things. But through surveys, through the kids' support, we, we have seen that there's an increase in knowledge base. As Beverly was mentioning before, a lot of kids coming in uh, to the cancer support community really believe that they can catch cancer, yeah. and that has to be scary for them. 
But going through these support groups, they realize that um, through education that that's not the case. And I think that speaks volumes as to some of the things that take place in the cancer support community. So you have a whole, we're going to go to break in just a, uh, just a minute, Anita, but so you have a whole calendar of programs really dedicated to kids and families. Correct. So each clubhouse has their own um, variety of activities that they offer based on their community. And so yeah. I think, you know, community needs are different across the, the United States and in Canada and, and everywhere. And so basically listening to what your community needs and fostering um, calendar opportunities for each uh, family yeah. to get involved in is really right. what we'd like to try and do. Fantastic. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today we're talking about uh, talking to kids about cancer. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you ready for a program about extraordinary stories and the people who are living them? Tune in to The Soft Edge with your host, C.J. Hoffman. The topics discussed will change as much as the weather, if not more. These are the topics you will be and should be talking about at the office. Why spend time talking about idle gossip and empty facts when you could be talking about so many more interesting topics? Get your fill of The Soft Edge with C.J. Hoffman every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about how to help children understand cancer in a constructive and a meaningful way. Um, I'm here with Beverly Hyman-Feed, a cancer patient and co-author of the children's book, Nana, What's Cancer? And Anita Schaaf, Nogilam Program Manager at Gilda's Club Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa. Um, Beverly, you, you kind of alluded to this at the beginning 
um, of the show, but you talked a little bit about cancer uh, uh, as a gift, and I know that uh, a lot of folks think, boy, oh, boy, cancer is maybe one of the worst things that could ever uh, ever happen to you, but you talk about some of the positive things um, that have come from your cancer experience. Will you, will you talk about that for a minute? It would be my pleasure because this, these last seven years have been definitely the most powerful and uh, fulfilling of my life. Because I've been able to do work for other cancer patients and because I've been able to reach cancer patients and help them in ways that I never knew I could, uh, it, it's really been an incredible experience. And it's a terrible club that you, wanna, you don't want to be a member of, but mm-hmm. once you are, you meet the most wonderful people. And I know Anita can attest to that. And... I, I have been able to reach out to people and to give them faith, to give them hope. Uh, as Christopher Reeve said, once you choose hope, anything is possible. And I strongly believe in that. I, I talk to people wherever I go, wherever I speak. And I tell them to get several opinions and to be in charge, that the doctor has hundreds of patients. You only have one. And be your own advocate in your illness and to form a team and let your team find out everything that's on the internet having to do with your disease and it gives me so much um, pleasure to be able to help patients wherever I go that it's really been a gift I, I wouldn't have given up these last seven years for anything and I, I hope I have another 14 to keep on doing it <laughs> you know Beverly you were given uh, a pretty dire Diagnosis seven years ago. You told the worst. Us that they you had, they told us you, you they told you had two months to live. Yes, they so, told me I had two months to live, and they wanted me to do five different kinds of chemo and have an operation, and then five different kinds of chemo, twenty four hours a day into the site for three weeks, a second time, with no promises at the end, with the diagnosis of yeah. two months to live. So how do you shift your thinking, Beverly? How do you how do you go from Okay, two months, no, I'm going to have three months. I'm going to have four months. I'm well, going to have six months. that's the tough part. How do you start right. to shift that in your mind? You, you hit on the tough part. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I went to a therapist who, um, whose specialty is dying, actually, yeah. and I went to her to help me die as gracefully as possible. Yeah. And then here we are, three months, four months, five months, and I said, wait a minute, now I have to take out the trash and go to the market just like everybody else. <laughs> this is no fun. I don't know. What, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. And she said that, you know, the AIDS patients had the same problem because here they were all given a death sentence and then they found this cocktail and now the AIDS patients, AIDS patients are finding out they... They have to deal with their mail and their bills and just all the things that you had given up because you were going about the business of dying. It's kind of a mixed bag, uh, to tell you the truth. At first, you're so grateful when you realize you're still living, and then you're a little resentful thinking, oh, no, I have to deal with life in uh, in all its forms. And then, of course, gratitude comes back in, and your attitude has to be gratitude. You have to just realize that you've been given such a gift and, and to use it in the right way and the best way you know how. I won't say the right way, but the yeah. best way you know how. And did you, Beverly, did you find that you, you just kind of turned a corner at some point and said, hey, I'm just charging ahead? I mean, when it came to six or seven months, I said, wait a minute, I, I'm living here. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, I started exercising at about three or four months, and I started realizing that uh, as I built up my strength and did everything, um, I, I was going to live a normal life. Yeah. And, of course, from CAT scan to CAT scan, I, I still uh, get scared, um, no matter if it's been seven and a half years or, <clears throat> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, before every CAT scan, I get a little nervous. And then when it comes out okay, then I go about my business again. And does looking at your granddaughter, Tessa, give you a stronger will, a sense of Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I have twin grandsons that are eight years old. Mm. And I have, to be, I have to be here. I have no choice right now. Yeah. They yeah. need me, and I want to be there for them. And I have work to do, too. I'm going to write another book about aging, and um, I, I have things to do, and I have long-term goals, and I, I have to be here to do that. You're such an inspiration to us, Beverly, really Thank such an you. inspiration. I hope so. Yeah, Anita, we're coming to the end of the show, unfortunately, because I could talk to you guys for hours. This has been an amazing conversation. But, um, Anita, can you, can you uh, as we come to the end of the show, could you offer one or two pieces of advice to parents or grandparents on how to speak to their children or grandchildren uh, uh, about cancer? What, what are a couple things that they really need to think about now? First of all, what I'd like to say is that you don't have to go through this journey alone. Um, yeah. It's different for each individual. That's and very And find out what works for them. And to seek out any needed support or advice that they need, whether it's through friends or, you know, community support or whomever they need to list as their arsenal that they do that. Yeah. And that remember, there's not a magic rule book or right or wrong way to navigate what to say or do. Uh, you know your child or grandchild better really than anybody else and to trust your instincts and speak from the heart because if you speak from the heart, you'll never go wrong. Fantastic. Well, you guys have been wonderful, just just wonderful. I think this has been a great, um, really educational, enlightening conversation for our listeners today because uh, it can be a really, really tough issue talking to kids about cancer. And um, as you both said, you know, there, there, there's joy, there's laughter, there's tears, there's uncertainty, there's really a lot that comes along with this. And it is important that folks know that they don't have to face this experience alone, that there are communities out there. Uh, there are wellness communities, guilds, clubs, other communities out there um, to help you through this and give you some good tips and professional, really professional advice and information on how do you talk to your children, your grandchildren, your family about cancer. And and it uh, also sounds like it's you know, really not a one-time conversation, but really an ongoing uh, you know dialogue um, uh, with kids. So I just want to thank both of you um, for your great advice, and I want to thank you for being uh, being on the show today. Um, I have a little bit of information for our listeners as we come to the end of the show. If you would like to order a copy of Beverly's book, Nana, What's Cancer? Uh, please visit www.amazon.com or the American Cancer Society's website, www.cancer.org slash bookstore. Again, the book is called Nana, What's Cancer? Um, if you would like information about the cancer support communities, uh, education and support services, and again, we were pleased to announce just a few weeks ago that Gilda's Club and the Wellness Community have joined forces uh, to form the cancer support community. Give us a call at 888-793-9355 or visit us on the web at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Um, if you would like to learn more about our Gilda's Club there in Quad Cities in Davenport, Iowa, please visit their website at www.gildasclubqc.org. Org. Uh, remember to follow our show, Frankly Speaking About Cancer, on Twitter. Get the latest uh, in cancer in the news. You can also provide us with feedback and let us know uh, what show topics you'd like for us to cover 
in, uh, in, in future episodes. We certainly have a lot going on uh, at the Cancer Support Community. We have free programs of support and education for people with all cancers at all stages of disease, family members, caregivers, children, families. We've got this wonderful program, Noogie Land, uh, both for children with cancer and children who have cancer uh, in the family. I want to dedicate uh, our show today uh, to you, Beverly, and to your granddaughter, Tessa. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, I know she couldn't be here with us today because she's in school, and that's mm-hmm. where she should be. <laughs> but uh, please tell her we would like to have her on the show in the future. She um, that. The two of you have really done a wonderful thing in creating this children's book, uh, Nana, What's Cancer? Uh, it's a wonderful resource for anyone who needs to talk to a child uh, about a family member or a friend with cancer. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time. Be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.